All right, we have been studying the book of? All right, found in your pew Bibles on page? Yeah, 950-ish is what we're up to. Yes, 950. We're all the way to chapter 3. After tonight, we will be halfway through the book. Woo! Yes. We'll go at it all fall all the way up until you head home for Christmas. And we will be finished so that uh, regardless of how your exams go, you can say you learned a lot about Ephesians this semester. So when your parents ask, just say, Look, can I tell you more about Ephesians? Just feel free. So we are at Ephesians chapter 3, on page 950. We're reading verses 14 through 21, which we just uh, heard and sang together. Paul writes this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of God's glory, He may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through His Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. So we're at a halfway point in Ephesians, and up till now, chapters 1, chapter 2, and thus far in chapter 3, Paul has been teaching us about what God has done, about what God has been up to. And in the second half of the book, he's going to talk about what we now have to do because of what God has done. God has done some stuff, that affects your life, this is how you live. But this little section right now that we're looking at today is the turning point. Paul offers a prayer before he moves on to what comes next. And before we, got it, we get to the content of the prayer, I want you to look at the physical posture Paul takes in this text. He says, I bow my knees before the Father. Some translations just simply say, I kneel before the Father. Now, for most of us, kneeling in prayer isn't something unusual. Some of us maybe have been in churches or come from churches where there are kneelers right attached to the pews. People kneel down in prayer regularly. But in the Jewish tradition, this was very unusual. It was very unusual to kneel in prayer most of the time when you prayed, you prayed with your hands lifted up, you prayed standing, hands up, eyes to heaven, eyes open. That's how you prayed. Now, when somebody kneels, it's a sign of penitence, a sign of submission, a sign of begging. And so you find that in the book of Acts, every time Paul kneels with people in order to pray, it's because he's leaving them and he's going to a place where he is most likely going to die. To kneel in prayer is to take a posture of extreme humility and to lay your life in the care of the one to whom you're praying. The Gospels describe Jesus as kneeling in the garden. Stephen, before he was stoned to death in the book of Acts, kneels. To kneel 
is a significant posture. It says that what's happening next is a big risk for me. I'm laying it all out there. I'm putting it all on the line. I am kneeling down before you to ask for your mercy. Now, if we look at the content of what comes right after this, verse 16, I pray that according to the riches of his glory, God may grant that you be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. Now, from our study so far in Ephesians, we know that this makes all the sense in the world. These are the things we've already talked about. The riches of God's glory. We talked about how we have been adopted into God's family. Those riches are part of our inheritance. We talked about that. We talked about the power of the resurrection, how that happened to Jesus Christ, and that overflows to all of us through the Spirit. In chapter 2, 22, he says that we're built together to be a dwelling place for God. So the idea that Christ dwell in our hearts through faith, rooted and grounded in love, that all makes sense so far. It seems that Paul's posture of kneeling is a little bit overstated. Because he's basically praying for the stuff we've already talked about. I mean, that's not that unusual. But then he does this. Verse 18. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So here's what he's saying. I pray that you comprehend or grasp or take hold of the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of God that surpasses knowledge, to be filled up with all the fullness of God. All right, let me get this. Let's just be clear about this. He's asking that we grasp something that we can't even measure. He's asking that we get to know things that are beyond our knowing. He's praying that we get filled up with the fullness of God, things that the whole world cannot contain. Hold on to something you can't even measure. Know things that are beyond knowing. Be full of something that cannot be contained. Are you getting it? This week I was meeting with the academic council of the college, which is uh, the deans get together. We talk about what's going on in our divisions. And one of them said that somebody in his division was retiring this year. This is a woman who's been at Calvin for a long time. She has a lot of institutional memory. Everybody loves her. We love working with her. Uh, this woman stands about this high. I like having her around because she makes me feel tall. And she's just a dynamo. We just, we just love her. And the fact that she was going to retire, just everyone just got kind of quiet around the table like, oh, man. And then one of the deans said this. He said, let's tell her that she can't retire until she grows three more inches. <laughs> and we all laugh because it's completely impossible. There's no way she's going to grow three more inches. It's just not going to happen. That's the same kind of thing that Paul is asking for here. I pray that you grow three more inches. I pray that you all turn orange. It's like, what is he praying for here? I pray that you get a real hold on how amazing God is. He's praying for the impossible. He is laying himself out for crazy things, things that just can't even happen. I mean, Paul is kneeling down and praying for impossible things. 
doesn't he know? Doesn't he know? Doesn't he know what it's like to pray for really big things and have God say no? Doesn't he know how painful it is to put yourself out there before God and have God seem like God goes quiet? Doesn't he know the risk it is to pray for impossible things? We know. Some of you have been praying for a long time that your parents would stay together and it seems that they are going to be apart. Some of you have prayed and prayed and prayed for healing from physical illness and it just hasn't come. Some of you prayed for people to live and those people died. Some of you keep praying for God to reveal his will for your life and he seems to not give you any clues at all. We know. We know what it's like to pray and pray and pray for something and have no answer back. So come on, Paul. What are you doing here? Praying for these huge, silly, impossible things. You might as well pray that we all grow three inches. It doesn't make any sense. Well, it doesn't make any sense unless you remember, unless you look at where Paul goes next with this. Verse 20. He says, Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now at first read, that just seems even more painful. It's like God has the ability to do all these things that we ask and he still says no. But to really get what Paul's getting at here, we need to remember all the places, all the journey we've been on through Ephesians. Do you remember that first sermon we talked about identity? We talked about the fact that you've been given a new name and y'all wrote new names on name tags? And when we, then we talked about the fact that God chose you before the foundations of the world to be adopted into his family. And we took that big family picture and we handed all out the family pictures to remind you that you are part of God's family. And you remember that we talked about uh, the religions of the day and how so often religion makes you feel like you got to do more and run faster and keep going. We had this treadmill here, right? And I ran on the treadmill, talked about, oh, look, I'm getting closer to God now. It's working, it's working. Not working. We talked about grace, how grace gets you off the treadmill and points you to God. And we talked about the power of the resurrection. Remember we talked about how the pagan gods of that time used their power to manipulate people into serving them and to giving them their best. And the people lived in a lot of fear of the rulers of the powers of the air. But we said that in the power of the resurrection, the power was given to bring life to people, to bring life where there was death. 
And now the rulers of the powers of the air were put under the feet of Jesus Christ, that he ruled over them. And that was the power of the resurrection. So when Paul gets to chapter 3, verse 20, and he says, now by the power at work within us, he's talking about that resurrection power. That's the power that is at work within us. Resurrection power. I know somebody who's been praying for something for almost 10 years. For 10 years, he's been praying for this thing. And just recently, just toward the end of the summer, he realized that God's answer to him for this thing was going to be no. After almost 10 years of praying. And he said to me, I'm finding it hard to know even what to pray now. Because this thing has dominated my prayer life for almost 10 years. I've just, I've poured myself out for it. And now I just don't even know how to pray. And so he began to pray the Psalms of lament, Psalm 7, Psalm 10, Psalm 13, Psalms 42, 43. He began to pray the prayers of lament to give some voice to how wounded he was, to give some voice to his sorrow. And he realized, he said, that as he prayed the Psalms of Lament, again and again and again, the Psalms of Lament end with a turn. They end with a turn toward trusting God. Yet I will trust him. Yet I will praise him. And so he began to pray that he would start to trust God again. He wasn't feeling it when he started that. But after he prayed those psalms and he prayed those psalms, he began to feel a deep peace. Now, this doesn't mean that he still isn't sad. It doesn't mean that there aren't times when he's driving his car or making dinner for his kids or when he's at the gym and the tears don't come to his eyes. But it means that he's learning again how to trust something in him has died, yes, but something in him is also coming to life. And that's the resurrection power of God. Sometimes the thing that's beyond our asking or imagining is imagining that we will be able to trust a God who says no. Sometimes what's beyond our asking or imagining is seeing ourselves being able to be fully engaged with a, in worship with a God who we feel isn't answering our prayers. That's what the resurrection power of God at work in us does. There are certain things that die, yes, but then there are certain things that come to life. And Paul himself knew this. 
In 2 Corinthians, he talks about having a thorn in his flesh. He talks about pleading with God to have that thing taken away. Three times he pleads with God, please take this thing away, take it out of my life. And God says to him, no. Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. So, Paul writes, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Paul didn't write these verses in Ephesians as as some kind of Pollyanna idea. That these good things are going to happen to you. He's able to do immeasurably more and ask you imagine. It's going to be great. Everything God does is going to be great in your life. He did it out of the context of somebody who knew what it was like to pray and to pray and to pray and have God say no. And to see in God's no, even then, an invitation to die and to rise with Christ. So because of the resurrection power of God that Paul was able to write what he wrote in Ephesians. It's because he saw the resurrection power of God. He knew what it was done. He knew what it had done to him. It took this death-filled, vengeful Jew named Saul and turned him into this devoted Christ follower who was proclaiming the gospel. It took this Gentile woman named Lydia and and it turned her home into a church. It took this imprisonment and turned it into a conversion for the jailer. It took women who were prophesying. It took old men who were dreaming dreams. And all through the book of Acts, we see this again and again and again, that the resurrection power of God breaks through. So when Paul writes... To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, he's talking about that resurrection power, the power that takes those parts of us that we thought were dead and turns them around and brings them to life. He's talking about the resurrection power that sometimes invites us to lay down those things that are killing us so that we can be alive in Christ. And the only reason Paul can do this is because he knows the resurrection power of God and because he prays on his knees. Because you can't just throw out a prayer to God and kind of hold back and see whether or not he likes you. It's not how it works. You don't just throw out a big prayer to God and see what happens just for kicks. If you're going to throw out a big prayer to God, you better do so on your knees, releasing that whatever answer he gives back to you is part of his resurrection power pulsing through your veins. To pray a big prayer is to be a person of surrender and trust. You only pray big prayers if you know the resurrection power of God. And you only pray big prayers when you are down on your knees. Where do you need some resurrection in your life?
Where do you need some life? Where do you need the power of the resurrection to just break through? What are some big things you can pray for? Revival on your floor? To forgive someone who's wronged you deeply? To ask someone else for forgiveness? Maybe you need to pray that your whole family becomes followers of Jesus Christ. What's your big prayer? Where do you want to see the resurrection power of God working on this campus? Do you want to see your choir transformed more and more into the image of Christ? Do you want to see the cross-country team transformed? Do you want to see your floor become aware of what God can do when God gets unleashed? Who do you want to see changed? Where do you want to have change happen in your life? What's your big prayer? If you could pray for anything, what would you pray for? That's the resurrection power of God. You can pray for anything. You can pray for anything. Huge things. Revival at Calvin College. Revival in Grand Rapids. For this place on Sunday nights to be just packed for your dorm Bible study to be just full of overflowing people. What are you going to pray for? What are you going to pray for? Tonight, we're going to pray some big prayers in an unusual way. We are going to together make paper airplanes. Yes, we are. And we are going to, on the wings of our airplanes, write our big, fat, hairy, audacious prayers. We're going to write them down. We're going to put them right on there. So take a piece of paper, take a pencil, they're coming around. We're going to all fold them together. You may need a book. I think there are a couple ahead of you in the pew that you may use. Now, for those of you who haven't folded a paper airplane in a while, uh, the directions are right on here, and they're unusual. They're not like the kind that you did in school, because these are good airplanes. <laughs> these are actually going to fly. All right? So follow the instructions. All right? Everybody got a piece of paper? Who needs paper? All right, get some, get some airplane paper to those people. Just hand the basket down, Robin. Just hand the basket down, and they can send it back and forth. They'll figure it out. But they're Calvin College students. We need a paper back here. The whole section is coming. Where's the basket? All right. Just take a bunch out and just hand a bunch back. All right, do you see how you do line one, kind of like a crooked, and then you flap it over, and line two matches up with the opposite side? Do you see that? Ooh. Yes. So do line one. It'll, it'll look like this, boys and girls. Yes. Okay, nice. And then you do line two. 
Yes, you can do this. All right. And then line three is this little flappy right here. That's line three. All right. All right. And then line four folds it in half. Oh, those people need paper. Who's got some extra paper? Send it back there to the, to the needy people in the bays. Back there, they need it. Everybody have paper? Everybody's got their airplanes in the back, back there. Yes, yes, I see that hand. Yes. Right back there. Coming your way. Great. All right, line four, fold it in half. Line fives and six, lines five and six are for the wings. All right, how are we doing? Does it look anything like this? This is also part of our community building. Is there anybody who doesn't have a piece of paper? We're good? You're good? Everybody's got paper? All right, how are y'all doing in the choir? Good fine motor skills here, excellent, well done. All right, this bay over here, how you doing? Not so good? Good, good, good. You can pick out the mechanical engineers. How y'all doing? Here. You're good, you're good. How about green airplanes? Green airplanes? Good. Red airplanes? Good. Purple airplanes? Coming along? All right, now you should also have a pencil. I'm gonna need you to just dial it right on down. Thank you. There you go. You can do it. Nice job. All right. Keep folding. For those of you who have made your airplanes and you have access to a pencil, do you all get pencils? On the wings of your airplane, guys, I need you to just focus for just a sec. Thanks. On the wings of your airplane, write out a very clear, big prayer request. Write it so that someone else would be able to read it. All right?
Where do you need God's resurrection power in your life? Where do you need God to show up? If you could pray for anything in the world, what would you pray for? Ready? No? Take your time. Worst case scenario, just fold it like you did in grade school. It will be just fine. All right. If you need a lot more time, raise your hand. Okay. All right. If someone around you has raised their hand, let's give them a little love. Let's, let's help them out a little bit. Give them a little encouragement. If you're ready, would you just hold your airplane up? Let me just kind of see where we're at. If you're ready, that, that by itself looks really cool, I have to say. All right, now, this is what we're gonna do. Our act of kneeling, our communal act of kneeling is to take a plane and release it. And this is what we're gonna do. You are going to pick up your airplane, whatever color it is, and you are going to send it to an area that is not yours. So be sure that the bays get some planes, be sure that the choir gets some planes, and just send it. Now, wait. When you get a plane that's of a different color than yours, just look at the wing and read what it says out loud. We're all going to do this together all at the same time. It's going to be wonderful and chaotic and crazy and beautiful, which is what prayer is. All right, so when you get a plane that's a different color, you read what it says on it out loud, and then you throw it to a different section. You do this three times. So three different prayer requests should be on your lips to God. And after you've done it three times, if there are any more planes that come your way, just send them to the cross. All right? And for those of you who are kind of in the back, feel free to throw them up and send them up and... You know, just gather them together at the foot of the cross. So send your plane, read three planes. When we're all done reading three planes, send them all to the... All right. Now it's only fun until somebody loses an eye. You ready? Go. Start reading. What are you reading? Read your prayers.
Sanders, what are you reading? Knowing God better. Trust God's guidance in my life. That my whole family would become Christian. Help me to love. how to trust God. Peace about the doctor. Patience and trust. Guidance in relationships. Dad to find a job. Career. Partner. Use my time. If you've got a plane by you, would you just walk it up? If it's not flying, walk it up. Yeah, that's why I said walk it up. Walk them up, walk. Take the plane, walk it up. Good, any planes left, walk them up. They're not flying very well anymore. Let's just, just walk them right up. Just bring them up. Let's walk them all up. Just walk them up. All good. This is not an entrance requirement for the mechanical engineering program. So you can just walk up your plane. Just walk up your prayer. Walk it up to the foot of the cross. All right. Let's pray. God, what a crazy, colorful, amazing thing. And to read the big prayers of other people about trust, health, relationships, future, money. Lord, you are a big God. You can do more than we ask or imagine. And we know that this was a fun, playful way to live it out. But just as we released those planes from our hand, we pray that we will be down on our knees, releasing our lives to your will. And we pray that your resurrection power, the power that is at work within us, will do more than we ever ask or imagine. And Lord, keep our eyes open this week for answers to these prayers. Lord, we thank you that we serve a living, loving, listening God. And Lord, we know that it was a risk for some of us to even write these things down because we know how it hurts if you say no. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, that you will bring comfort when the answer is no, that you will be, bring patience when the answer is wait, and that you will bring praise to our lips when the answer is yes. We offer all of these prayers in the only way we know how, and that is through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And all God's people say, 
Amen.